0: Morning, how are we doing? Now um, I can't. Whatever's oh, there's a clock through there. So what time we finish? Two is that right? <laughs> Brian Gwen and I've got a show to go to at twenty past two, so um, we won't. And it's about a twenty minute walk, so we won't go past past there. It's such a joy to be here again. Um, we have been here since Wednesday. We've only seen ten shows so far. Um, so we're, we're slacking a bit this year, um, and we have a great time up here. as Luke said, I was his youth leader. I think I learned more from him than he did from me. Uh, so it's a real privilege to be here. And also to welcome Callum. Callum says, So uh, last Sunday, Callum had his last Sunday at Jubilee, and Gwen and I said goodbye to him, and then this Sunday he's here. Uh, So so where he'll be next week, I have no idea. We're in Devon, so we expect to see you there. If you've got a Bible with you, why don't you turn to Genesis? I'm going to read from Hebrews, and I'm going to read from Genesis. And we're going to be looking at Abraham and Abraham's faith. You're in a series, I believe, out of Hebrews 11, where we're looking at this whole subject of faith. Hebrews is an incredible uh, book. Um, y- We're not quite sure who wrote it. Possibly Barnabas. My money's on Barnabas. I like Barnabas, son of encouragement. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, we're told, and many were added to the Lord through his ministry. That's the summary we're given of Barnabas in Acts 11. And uh, I like to think he gets a book in the book. And uh, Hebrews is just fantastic just at talking about who Jesus is, and just time and time again, comparing Jesus with heroes of the Old Testament. And, And basically, well, Moses was great, but Jesus is better. Angels are amazing. Jesus is better. And uh, in this chapter, uh, chapter 11, we, we really get this story of faith, but also it's saying, but it's all about Jesus. And our, our passage today looks back at an episode in Abraham's life and which is actually about Jesus. So we're going to look at Abraham this morning. We're going to look a little bit at Isaac this morning, and then we're going to finish up looking at Jesus, which is always the best place to fix our gaze, isn't it? I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Father God, Lord, we thank you that you dwell amongst us by your Spirit, that you ascended that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh, male and female, young and old, slave and free. We thank you your Holy Spirit is a seal of our salvation. We are secure in you. But your Holy Spirit is also the one who just ministers to us. And we pray, Lord, over this next half hour or so, as we open up your word, would your Holy Spirit speak truth into our hearts. Thank you. Amen. 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 So, the verses that Luke gave me, and I'm a man under authority, so these are the verses I'm going to preach on. Uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19, we read together. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. The writer of the Hebrews is referring to a passage in Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read that to you. Here we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withhold from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up. And there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I like Abraham. I like Abraham because like me, he gets it wrong more often than he gets it right. But he keeps going. God promises Abraham an inheritance. And God restates that promise time and time again. You can read it in Genesis 12, Genesis 13, Genesis 14, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, Genesis 18. And then again in Genesis chapter 22. God says time and time again to Abraham, I'm going to use you and your descendants to bless all the nations. The first thing we learn about God's relationship with Abraham is that God is more than happy to repeat his promises. And we need to guard our hearts, friends, so that we do not become cynical if God's promises do not come about at the speed or in the way that we expect them to. When I was 15, I, or just for my 15th birthday, I became a Christian. I responded to that very verse that Dan shared earlier. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever should believe in him shall not perish but will inherit eternal life. And no, I cannot say it backwards. I responded to the love of God just for my 15th birthday. And then soon after my 16th birthday, God called me to leadership. God called me to ministry. I believe God called me to be a church leader. I was 16. I was in a meeting. I wanted God to speak to me. So I I did what 16-year-olds do when they want God to speak to them. I took my Bible and I opened it at random. And, and the random verse that I got in that moment was Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to raise up the broken hearted and uh, I knew in my spirit that God was calling me. There was no doubt in my heart. I was sixteen years old. I had dreams obviously of uh, playing for England in any number of sports i wasn 't quite good enough to play for Scotland, but in England I might <coughs> I might have managed, and uh, obviously I was so close. But I knew in that moment, actually, no, my calling is, is to lead, and to lead for Jesus. And, um, and so I, that week, went and spoke to the senior pastor of my church, because God had spoken. And, and I graciously said to him, God has called me to lead a church. And the only church I know is this one. And, and so I gave him six months to transition <laughs> to my leadership. Um, as you can imagine, it didn't quite work out like that. And it, it was 12 years until I joined the church staff and uh, 18 years until I led a church. That seems like a long time. And sometimes when God delays, we can get frustrated with God, can't we? And I want to, right at the start, say there are numbers of mistakes that we can make. Abraham made most of them. When we have heard God, sometimes we hear God prophetically, sometimes through his word, through, sometimes through a number of nudges over a period of time. We, we can hear God and we can just get ahead of God in fulfilling that promise. Sometimes we will say to God, well, that's fine, but you must do it this way. Sometimes we'll say, as I did, you must do it now. Sometimes we try and make it happen. That's what Abraham did on a number of occasions, trying to make it happen. Sometimes we get incredibly passive in our waiting. I've met people down through the years of pastoral ministry who when I ask them why they're not doing anything in church life, they bring out a kind of 20-year-old prophetic word. you know, And they're waiting and they're just waiting for one thing. God said this a number of years ago, and I'm just waiting. And, and, and you think, well, no, you're going to miss it. Sometimes we wait too passively. It's easy to miss what God is doing because we have an idea of how God will work. That was my expectation. I was called at 16. I expected to be leading at, well, 17. 34. Maybe you're sitting here right now and thinking, oh, come on, God! Now wait on the Lord. Actively wait on the Lord. What I love about Abraham is he never stops moving. Although he gets it wrong more often than he gets it right, he's always on the move with God. Do you notice that? It's very rarely static in God. And, and he builds relationship with God. This passage that we're looking at is when he gets it right. This is a good moment for Abraham, which is one of the reasons the writer of the Hebrews records this moment and not some of the other moments in Abraham's life. He gets it right. And he gets it right because he's in relationship. Let's just look at the story for a moment. I mean, I think, you know, it's a nice summer, Sunday. I mean, child sacrifice is obviously what we want to talk about. You know, fortunately we've sent the kids out. I don't know if they're covering this in the kids' work. You know, they'll all come out with knives. And it was not unusual for Abraham's surroundings and context. There were numbers of nations around the people of God for whom child sacrifice was just par for the course. If you wanted a good harvest, you could sacrifice one of your children. If you wanted a drought to break, you could sacrifice one of your children. If you wanted to ensure that the city you were building stood firm, you could sacrifice children as you built the walls up. So It's not completely unusual, but it's still shocking, isn't it? We mustn't, in our kind of Western 21st century world, forget how shocking this story is. God says to Abraham, take your only son and kill him. I wonder about the conversation between Abraham and Sarah before they left. Sarah, we're going on a trip. What sort of trip? Sometimes a mother will ask about an expedition that a father is planning. Is it safe? Fathers generally lie. (laughs) Oh, yes. Very safe. I wonder about that conversation between Abraham and Sarah. It's shocking. And yet Abraham goes willingly and without hesitation. Did you notice that? It says, the next day. The only delay is gathering enough wood for the sacrifice, for the burnt offering. The next day he gets up and he goes. How is Abraham able to do that? How is Abraham able to take this huge Risk into the unknown. We've just heard, haven't we, about an opportunity for us, for you especially, to take a step into the unknown. The turning. Some of you knew what was going to be said, so you turned off before you heard about the turning. Because street work is not what you do. You like friendship evangelism long-term friendship evangelism. When I've worked in the office for 15 years, I'll invite someone to something. It's a great opportunity. You could take a risk. You could all take a risk. Wouldn't that be amazing? Abraham would take that risk. If Abraham was here now, he'd he'd go. He was a man who... To risk with God. What are you like? I don't think any of you will have to sacrifice children. That's a part of that initiative. I didn't that didn't come through in the training. You could go. What is stopping you? I know what stops me doing it. I'm scared. Scared. This isn't my notes, let's talk about it anyway. So It's very funny with street work, isn't it? Because we get scared about what people we don't know will think about us. Isn't that silly? We get scared about our reputation. That's what stops us. And yet, whenever I've done street work, and whenever I've talked to friends who have, you know, met a Christian in the street, yeah? You know, if it's been done appropriately. I mean, you know, there are ways to really annoy people in the street. And we can try that if you want this afternoon. You know, we can do a turning off ministry if you want. You know, when you can walk up to people, put your hand on the forehead and say, in the name of Jesus, and push them over, that probably won't work. I don't think that's what you're going to do. I think I want to be polite and, you know, a question will be asked. And what do you think? Have you ever thought about? Is there anything I could pray for? When you do street work like that, I never notice anybody getting really cross. In fact, most people who receive that sort of street work think more highly of you than less highly of you. But even if they thought less highly of you, what would that matter? Someone you've never met before thinks you're a little bit strange when they walk away from you. Can I just tell you, by the time they've walked around the corner, they have forgotten what you look like. Okay? You, know, you might think, oh, what if I see them again? They won't remember. But they might encounter Jesus, they might encounter God. You might encounter God. And that's a risk worth taking. Why does Abraham take this risk? Well, because he knows enough about God by this point in his life that when he goes with God, stuff happens. You see, his relationship with God is not based on lots of quiet times. It's based on quiet times and active times. I have no doubt God, that Abraham spent time with God. That's when God speaks to him very often. But he also is on the move for God. Sometimes we think how we build deep relationship with God is just by resting. Now, I love resting in God. I love this. I love gathering. I love sitting down on my own with God. I love lying before God. I love being filled with the Holy Spirit. I love all that stuff. But do you know what? The relationship with God so often grows when you're on the move with God. Yeah. Sometimes we'll say, when I've got a relationship with God, then I can go out on the streets. Do you know what? When you go out on the streets, you build a relationship with God. Yeah? You take a risk with a prophetic word over a French student and discover it's right. Do you know what? You believe more in God after that moment than before. You believe more that God will speak after that moment than before. So why why is Abraham able to take his only son, to kind of cover it with his wife, and to take him, as far as he's aware, to kill that son? It's because he knows when he's on the move with God, God turns up. So often when I think God is absent, it's because I'm not on the move with God. When I'm sitting still and not doing anything, I think, God, where are you? God often says, well, I'm over here. (laughs) I'm doing stuff over here. The Holy Spirit does not keep in step with us. We keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? And the Holy Spirit is on the move. So Abraham's able to trust God because he's got this history with God. He's on first name ter- terms with God. Abraham hears God with clear clarity. Who would like to hear God with real clarity? Oh, yeah. I'm struggling to hear God. Abraham hears God. God makes it very clear, doesn't he? He doesn't leave it to chance. He gives a threefold description of Isaac. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Because Isaac is not his only son. You know, if God says, take your son and kill him. Abraham might have thought, oh, well, I've got another one. I wonder where he is right now. God makes it very clear. Your only son, Isaac. Whom you love. And Abraham is able to go. Abraham is able to make steps of faith because he is in relationship with God. And he's in relationship with God, which has huge depth because he has a history in God. Of taking risks with God. Of moving when God says move. And so he does this. He thinks, maybe God will do something. See, Abraham is in relationship with God. He's not religious. How are you? Are you religious? Or have you got a relationship with God? So we're not called to religion. If you're a guest here this morning, maybe you've just popped in. Maybe you thought this was another event. You know, That'd be good. Sneak in the fringe program, guys. <laughs> huh? Maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. Maybe it's trying out <coughs> trying out some religions. Don't try this one. Because a relationship. It's not a religion. If you're looking for a religion, don't join. You want a relationship, join. Christianity is a relationship. Abraham is in relationship. Abraham is not following a religion here. Do you notice that? Because what do you do if you're following a religion here? What does the book say? Okay, God's asked me to kill my son. I don't know. What box do I tick? No, he's in relationship. We're called to relationship. So the first relationship you see is this relationship between Abraham and God that enables him to take risks. And in taking those risks, he builds relationship. This is an incredible relationship between Abraham and Isaac. To remind you of what he says. Abraham took the word for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's a good question, isn't it, if you think about it? Children are good at asking questions, often at very inopportune times. This is a good question. Abraham gives probably one of the best parental answers you'll ever hear. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Abraham trusted God. Bless you. Isaac trusted his dad. I don't know if you grew up in a church and went to Sunday school, but I remember doing this story in Sunday school. And when you do it in Sunday school, Isaac's quite small. But actually, he's not small, is he? Scholars debate how old he is. They range from kind of 11, 12 through to mid-30s. I think mid-30s is stretching it. But he's clearly not a child. That's clear both in the language that is used, the Hebrew that is (coughs) used doesn't use the word for child, it uses the word for young man. But also we know this is a three-day journey and this Child, this young man walks for three days, and we also know that for a period, certainly walking up the mountain, he carries the wood on his back. So, probably 13, 14, 15, that sort of age. And not a 13, 14, 15 year old who's grown up playing on a PlayStation without sunlight. But a 13, 14, 15-year-old who will have worked? I have a son, Toby, and when he was kind of six, seven, eight, we would wrestle, and I would let him win. He's now 24. I still let him win. Now, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't wrestle my son now. Isaac's a big guy. Abraham's an old man. Isaac's not stupid. He knows. There's no sacrifice. I think this is the first time he's asked the question in a three-day walk. He knows. And he trusts his dad. The son walks up the mountain carrying wood on his back in total trust of the Father. I find that amazing. So there's not just faith in the heart of Abraham, there's faith in the heart of Isaac that God will provide. Where does that faith come from? I think it comes from what his father has shared with him down through the years. It comes from the fact that Isaac knows the promises of God that his father has received. How does he know those promises? Well, I think it's because Abraham has shared those promises. See, Abraham knew that of primary importance was his relationship with God. But the next most important thing was to make sure the next generation built a relationship with God. How are you doing in that? Is kids' work something in this church that's done by the kids' team? Or do you do kids' work? You might think, I don't even like kids. Well, I don't care. Because we're called to pass on our faith to the next generation. We're called to pass on our faith to those around us. We're called to raise a generation who know the promises of God. I think you're doing a great job. We're called to do that. Abraham has done that such that Isaac can walk up the hill in awareness that he is the sacrifice and trust his father and trust his father. Isn't that amazing? Abraham has taken Isaac on an adventure in God. Can I encourage you to do that with your children? You may have been blessed to be a parent. So you have natural born children to take on an adventure in God. That might not have been your lot in life. You can still take young people on an adventure in God with you. You can do it on a Sunday morning in how you worship. You can do it by serving on teams. You can do it through interceding for your children and your young people. You can do it just how you live your life and getting young people around your dinner table and sharing your faith with them. Can I encourage you to do that? Maybe you've got a 17, 18-year-old who's able to go out on the streets. Take them with you. Take them with you. Abraham passed on his faith to the next generation such that Isaac could trust God in this moment. So we see relationship. How how was Abraham able to make this step of faith? That's what we're talking about, isn't it? So step of faith. How was he able to? Because he had a relationship with God. How was Isaac able to step out in faith? Because he'd been taught by his father such that he didn't just trust his dad, he trusted his heavenly father. What else does this story tell us? Well, it points to Jesus. And you're well taught here. So I'm just showing you things you've already seen in the text. But did you notice what it said? On the third day, they go up the hill. On the third day. Interesting. On the third day, Jesus was raised. Who goes up the hill? The sun. Who carries the wood up the hill? The son carries the wood up the hill. Who goes willingly in obedience to his father? The son goes willingly up the hill with wood on his back in obedience to the father. What happens? The angel of the Lord cries out, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram, a sheep, a male sheep caught by its horns. Another word for thicket is thorns. Where are the horns? The horns are on the head. Here is a lamb caught around the head with thorns. Sacrificed. That Isaac goes free. See so here is the source of our faith? Who is the source of Abraham's faith? It's Jesus. We're told of Abraham in Romans that he believed God and his belief was credited to him as righteousness. Well, how do you credit something? Well, you credit from one account to another. Righteousness is taken from one account and credited to Abraham's account. Righteousness is taken from Christ, earned on the cross, and credited to Abraham, that Abraham can have faith-filled relationship with the Father. Isn't that amazing? In this story, thousands of years before Jesus goes up a hill. Jesus is in this story. And what's the name of the mountain? Let me read it to you. I can find it. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Now we see Moriah later on in the Old Testament. It's not called Moriah then, no. Do you know what it's called? It's called Jerusalem. You know the high point of Jerusalem, this mountain. Do you know who stands there? A king stands there called David. He does a deal with God that he will sacrifice on this point to stop a judgment that God is bringing on the people. David had a son, Solomon, who took that land that had been bought by his father and built a temple upon it. And on that high point where Abraham raised the knife to kill Isaac and God stepped in through the lamb there would be a place called the Holy of Holies where the people of God would encounter God. And on that day of days, when a son went up a hill with a cross and had a crown of thorns around his head, when the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was crucified, at this point on this mountain in the Holy of Holies, the curtain would be torn in two from top to bottom to symbolize that now all people could walk with God and the promise of God to Abraham that through his offspring all peoples of the world would be blessed was fulfilled in the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? And that truth was made available to us in this story because Abraham heard God And obeyed. So, when I'm standing before someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, and I'm scared, and I don't want to go, and I don't want to take the risk in case my reputation, which I love, might get spoiled, I need to remember this story. Because Abraham stood and heard God with the son whom he loved at risk and took a step of faith that we might know that Christ is the answer. And we have that opportunity whether it's doing street work or chatting to our neighbors or praying for a friend or in our workplaces or in our college, we have the opportunity to lay down what we've invested ourselves in, our reputation, and to sacrifice that before God, that Jesus might be lifted up. I want to be that sort of person. And you want to be those sorts of people. And this is that sort of church. Praise God. Let's take some risks of faith. Amen? Why don't we stand and pray? Why don't you just lift your hands where you are. Just, let's just pause for a few moments. Right now, just as we stand in quiet, allow the Holy Spirit just to remind you how precious you are in the eyes of God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. We know you're always here, but we also welcome your manifest presence. Your word says you are the seal of our salvation. Would you remind every person here right now that that is true? Right now, in the security that we are loved by God, just allow the Holy Spirit. If there's anything right now that you know, gosh, I'm just holding on to that in an unhelpful way, which means I'm not stepping out for God. Just allow the Holy Spirit to make your way of it. It might be not not be anything. So don't don't dig. But if you know, actually, the Holy Spirit just brings it to light. Just take this opportunity just to give that to God in the knowledge that he helps you do that. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who delights in us so much that you don't want to allow us to put things between us and you. And we ask now, Lord, that you would enable us to keep pursuing you with faith in the way that Abraham did, in the way that Isaac did. Keep building us as people of faith, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless you.